Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hello, everyone. I'm Kama, and you can find me at Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. And tonight I'm joined by Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky Chikrin on Tumblr. And Eon. Hey, this is Eon, and I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. And Clotho. Hi, this is Clotho, and I'm Clotho Spindle on Tumblr. Okay, so tonight we are covering um, Catelyn 4 from A Storm of Swords. I don't think it will come up, but uh, we'll just throw the inevitable George R.R. R. Martin trigger warning for a potential <laughs> discussion of rape and or violence. Can't get away. Know. Right. Um. So uh, we open with um, Hoster has died and funeral preparations are underway. And um, uh, we learn very quickly that while the Starks go in for burying their dead underneath their castle and crypts, the Tullys like to put their um, dead relatives on barges and send them down the river. Um, And they don't, exactly have pallbearers but they keep up with the the seven you know they're always big on the seven they've got seven guys to push the barge into the water and um there's i I, and i kind of wonder like this just made me wonder about the placement but uh there's rob some guy lord bracken lord blackwood some guy named vance who i know i should know who that is but i don't uh, a Malister, Sir Mark Piper, and Lame Lothar Frey, and um, it sounds like this the frame the Frey guy really pissed Edmure off. Um, he sees it, I think, quite correctly as an insult on the part of Walder Frey um, for sending him. Although I don't know. Well, God knows Walder has enough relatives. I mean, maybe there's a better Frey. <laughs> Too bad it wasn't Walter Frey himself. I mean, he could have died right like, there. I was just thinking, like, I really, usually when they pick, like, these people to do some, I'm assuming this is supposed to be, like, George's analogy to, like, pallbearers. Yeah. You don't pick, like, the 95-year-old guy to carry the coffin. I mean, at least I've never seen that done. On the other hand, you probably would not generally want to go with a guy named Lame Lothar because it's sort of been implies there's some sort of, you know. Anyhow. Well, it would have um, been more of an insult to put one of Walter's bastards as one of the pallbearers as well. Well, um, they could have brought the... Because Lothar has come with another dude, one of the uh, one of Walter's bastards, also named Walter Rivers, I think. So I, I really like... There's a passage I thought I would read aloud... Um, because I thought it was actually really, really beautiful. Catelyn watched from the battlements, waiting and watching as she had waited and watched so many times before. Beneath her, the swift, wild tumblestone plunged like a spear into the side of the broad red fork, 
its blue-white current churning the muddy red-brown flow of the greater river. A morning mist hung over the water, as thin as gossiper, gossamer and the wisps of memory. Bran and Rickon will be waiting for him, Catelyn thought sadly, as once I used to wait. Oh, that really breaks my heart right yeah. there. Mm. There's there's so many echoes like this whole idea of her like just waiting comes through this chapter several times and actually through her whole so far through most of the I mean, she clearly was very close to her father. And it's it's just I don't know. It's just brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's it's um, it's interesting the position that she seems to feel in, uh, you know, in watching her father's funeral. I mean, she's very attentive to how unprepared she feels Edmure is, which, of course, George so ably demonstrates with Edmure being able unable to shoot the arrow, the flaming arrow to light the barge on fire at the funeral. <laughs> I actually I want to talk about that because it's it's different from. And I think this is where the show has yeah. sort of corrupted me because mm-hmm. it's very different from what happens in the show. Oh yeah, Brendan was actually sort of sympathetic in this with with Edmure, well, you know. Because <laughs> in the show, yeah. the show, he's like everyone is totally like pissed off that he can't manage to do this. Which honestly, it seems like first of all, this would I don't do archery, but I'm guessing that normally is probably not the easiest thing to, you know, do. Oh, no. Plus, yeah. Your dead dad, I mean. And in the book, it's sort of like, first, Brendan offers to do it, but he's not, like, hostile about it. He's, like, yeah, yeah. being kind. And, and then, after Edmure has done it for the second time, missed for the second time, he's the one who hands Blackfish the bow. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. they comfort him after with, you know, don't worry, your father couldn't do this when he was doing, you know, his own dad's. It's it's a very different portrayal. Yeah, it's definitely um, a big contrast. And actually, I mean, reading rereading these chapters, I'm struck by how much more I appreciate Edmure. Mm-hmm. I, I really think I missed that before and it's just more and more I'm like no he's actually really pretty good at this stuff and you know he seems like a decent guy he really does and even Catelyn mentions the night before how upset he is about losing his father yeah. it's much more I think it's it feels more human I mean I think they try to put a little more of a humorous bend to it in the show that seemed a little nastier and in the books to me it comes up with more of like human failings that we could all sort of identify with everybody but cat i don't think cat's super (laughs) i mean i think she loves him i think she she loves him and i think she feels bad and you know she doesn't seem to really be blaming him over this arrow thing either it's just something he's failing at you know this is kind of the thing with edmure it's not that Oh, I don't know that it's that anybody thinks he's, you know, completely terrible. It's just that he just kind of seems to let everybody down every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> well, I think, though, it's all throughout this whole thing. It's this whole thing. All these chapters. It's always like she goes back to what he was like when she he was a, a little kid, mm-hmm. when he was her younger brother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is how she sees him. And it, it appears that nothing will ever change. And it's like, no, he, he actually sounds like he's. He's pretty good at this. Um, I mean, the fact that he can't hit the boat or hit the barge with his dead dad on it, you know, I really. 
<laughs> um, and I mean, she just always seems kind of annoyed at him the way you sometimes like an older sibling can be like at a younger one. Now, on the other hand, to play devil's advocate here, because I know Guile says this about the younger, older sibling dynamic. There's also a big element here of Edmure just kind of, you know, never really taking full responsibility for things and letting everybody else kind of clean mm-hmm. things up for him. And I think that is demonstrated by the fact that, you know, the Blackfish does has to have to step in with the arrow. It's not that it isn't understandable that anybody yeah. could have that feeling. It's the fact that Edmure just kind of like <laughs> shoves it over to the Blackfish and walks away, I think, is what happened. Um, you know, like uh, there are things you just kind of have to see through, I guess. And, and I think that is kind of one of the, the failings with Edmure. And, you know, I, I have to believe we're seeing foreshadowing here of mm-hmm. what will happen in Feast when Edmure has to, you know, give up most of his birthright, um, in order yeah. to save the lives of his family. And, well, not just his family, he, all the people who serve under him. Yeah. Oh, them too. And <laughs> I, think, I think that there's, I think that there's an element of, Edmure's not a bad human being, but does Edmure have what it takes to really lead when you need a leader? And I think George is at least showing that, no, he he pretty much doesn't have that medal every time that, that you know, it kind of comes down to it. Which, you know, I'm one of the big Edmure defenders and always have been because I agree. I think he's a decent human being. He's concerned about people's lives. Um, you know, but we could have a pretty good argument about whether that's exactly what they need right now. It's, you know, it's the Tywin Lannister argument. It's like, do you need the decent human being or do you need the asshole who can make sure that most people come through it, you know? Yeah. And that's I, kind of the debate. I guess I don't disagree with that. I, I just think it's interesting. I mean, Catelyn constantly shows herself to be like, she misjudges Lysa. She misjudges, I mean, she's always like, I guess like sometimes it's sort of like when you're when a family member does something that just sort of like leaves you gobsmacked because it's just totally different from what you expect. And I think it's just <sighs> there's a lot of this where she's really looking at the past, which is kind mm-hmm. of understandable. She's in yeah. her childhood home after what, like 15 years being away. But yeah, I think it's like she's almost living in the past and she doesn't seem to. It, it seems to be sort of pulling her back. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of a running thing with her where her misinterpretation of things in the past that she kind of refuses to get over or can't seem to get past affect her in the present. I mean, we're kind of seeing more evidence of the fact that, you know, she she makes mention of the fact that no word had come from Liza, um, you know, when she had sent that kind of pleading note, you know, begging yeah. her to even just, you know, write something right. <laughs> for her to give to, to say to, to Hoster. Um you know, Kat just can't let go of how she thought things were supposed to be. She thought her dad was a great guy. And I think she's having trouble coming to terms with the fact that maybe Liza has a really good reason to not want to, yeah, to not want to not want to make their dad feel better on his deathbed. She, she, you know, I'm not saying that maybe it's completely, you know, you know, unjustifiable if she had forgiven him, but I completely understand why maybe she wouldn't want to or wouldn't want to talk to him. And uh, I mean, you know, these are things that even though Kat seems to understand what he did to Lysa, Lysa, or Kat's still like, oh, well, you know, she could just be nice and get over it. And it's the same thing that she had with Littlefinger, where she, you know, kind of set what she thought he was when he was a little kid. And she just never could change that original view. And it's kind of been one of her fatal flaws. Mm hmm. 
Um, I don't know. I, I, I have some notes. I had this weird kind of typical me kind of question, which was like after she made the comment about how like in the north they bury everyone. Well, she she describes it as northerners. And then I started to wonder, like, does that mean all of the houses in the north have crypts underneath their house? Do all of the houses in the Riverland set their people on barges and set them on fire? That's I mean, an interesting question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is an interesting question, because I'll tell you one thing about living in a northerly, northerly place is you can't always bury people every time of the year. I mean, we can now with the technology that we have, but oh, they used to have to the ground is, yeah. quite literally right. pull on ice and wait mm-hmm. to bury them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I don't I don't know what it's about there. Uh, George must be getting at something there. But, yeah, it does seem like all the northerners must do the crypt thing. I don't know. This, these are the things I think about, you know. Well, then they mentioned the, going back to the water, and it made me think about how she, you know, they killed her, you know, and she ended up in the, you know. Uh, it, yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Spoiler well, alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I really, yeah, I think there's something mm-hmm. there. I mean, there's so much foreshadowing. Like every time uh, I turn around. Yeah. It's, it's getting heavier. I mean, yeah. I know I say this all the time, but. The foreshadowing is just like a fog oh, over gosh. every single chapter. And we'll get to that next, but like just how like so super sweet and polite that <laughs> Lame Lothor is being. Yeah, it's, it's so it's eerie like, feeling. It feels so eerie. I actually want to go a little bit out of sequence, if that's okay. I'm going to hold the phrase stuff towards the end. Okay. Okay. Um, is that all right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it's not. <laughs> You're all just going to have to suck it. Um, I don't know. It, a lot of this seemed very much like a lot of the funerals, you know, like, you know, you've got the people like it's bringing people together and the hugging and the crying. And then there's the arguments and people stalking off. I mean, this is very at least typical to my personal experience. The only thing that's missing here is the discussion of what everyone's eating. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Like the medieval equivalent of like everyone's bringing them three bean salad or whatever. Oh yeah, that would be um, funny actually. <laughs> the funeral potluck. <laughs> it's kind of surprised George didn't go there, but um. So we find out that um, well actually we find out that Catelyn has not heard anything from Brienne and Sir Cleos, and she's she thought they would have made it to King's Landing by now, and there's a bit where she's it goes on, but basically it's it's like. She's assuming the medieval equivalent of what happens when a letter gets lost in the mail, mm-hmm. except it's like, yeah. you know, there's a raven dead somewhere as opposed to like <laughs> a mailman who just decided he's not going to deliver the mail. And 40 years later, they find his apartment buried. And, you know, <laughs> you've heard the stories, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> or the dead letter office. Um, and there's she notes that uh, Rob appears to be dealing with his grief by sort of substituting like using his in-laws as it sounds almost like as like substitutes for like people like his brothers and Theon which is not going to go well later but um, when I read that I was just like oh this is so sad you idiot Um, although I'm sure the little boy didn't know anything about what they were doing no but um, it sounds like things are just not going really well. We learn that Gal- Galbert Glover's castle has, is under the control of the Ironborn. 
along with his family, which will come into play later. His brother's in the hands of the Lannisters, and then Rob admits to Cat he believes he should have traded uh, Jamie for Sansa. And I think he's wrong here. Yeah, yeah I do think he's wrong. I, I, I mean, I know I, I like to play what if, but I think his men would have like turned on him then and there. Well, I think it's such a far-fetched idea to think that, you know, he could have could have for sure made an alliance with the Tyrells, too. Yeah. Because I don't know what he had to offer them at that point. That's I mean, what I maybe he'd immediately you. traded Jamie. Yeah, I don't know. It's a little weird. I mean, it's not a bad idea in the sense of, of an alliance, but I don't, in the timing, I don't think it would have worked. And it's not well, like he and, had her to, like, immediately marry her off. I mean, she's in. Yeah. yeah. It would be one thing if she were home at Winterfell and they could have done something maybe, but. And then. Well, yeah, the timing. And the other thing is there has to be a little bit of bad blood just kind of in general between the Starks and the Tyrells because of the fact that, uh, you know, it, it was the Tyrells who were the, the major house who came out to defend the Targaryens. I mean, certainly Dorne was involved, but the Tyrells were the ones with the real force. And, you know, Ned fought them all over yeah. the place. So I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not saying that it would have been, you know, an impediment. Obviously, the Tyrells themselves considered it. But it's the kind of thing that probably would have had to be negotiated and would have taken time, I would imagine. Yeah. And again, I think it would have been it might have been a different thing if he'd had her. Yeah. Yeah. In hand or she was safe and they could have arranged that. But the fact that she's a hostage, you know, out of it's like I just can't uh, see the Tyrells agreeing to that, because to me, it seems he's too much of a gamble because he's not, you know, they can say he's king. Mm -hmm. but (laughs) Well, or if he had agreed to marry if they let's say they married him off to Marjorie or something. But I mean, he's there. Yeah. You know, the available. As opposed to the whole, well, we'll wait till she's older or, well, right now she's under the hand of, you know, the crazy king and the, you know, the bitchy queen. But, hey, at some point we'll have her back and then we'll have a wedding. I don't see that working. Mm. Um, there's some discussion about him. I think Catelyn wants him to bend the knee. And he's not willing to do that. And here I think he's right. I don't see that working either. But maybe. No. Okay. And if they they do a lot of the stuff. Like I said, it's very typical emotional funeral stuff and back and forth. And then he he makes a crack about, you know, her having forgotten that the Lannisters killed Ned. And she almost slaps him but doesn't. And honestly, I think she would have been perfectly in line if she had. <laughs> That's the other thing. I'm really – I don't know about you guys, but I'm really – Rob is coming off less and less well to me as I reread these. Well, he, he comes off as a t- annoying teena- teenager, <laughs> as a parent. <laughs> I see that. <laughs> oh. All right. Anything before I move on to the phrase? Mm-hmm. All right. So the fray delegation, which consists of lame... I'm I'm pronouncing this Lothar. I don't know if that's right. That's what I, I don't know yeah. how you're supposed to pronounce it. <laughs> and I forget. I should have looked it up. Which who he actually is? If he's a grandson or a son? And Guile is probably screaming at her computer as she listens to this. <laughs> um, and they've also got one of Walder's bastards, Walder R- Rivers. And it really sounds like they've 
they're doing a kind of good cop, bad cop routine here. Yeah. yeah. So this is not Blackwalder? No, I don't think so. It's so um, hard to keep track. What's well, the problem with the phrase? It's like the Targaryens with the damn hair. I just, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, it is it? Walder. Yeah, I didn't think it was Blackwalder, but I don't know. It's not Blackwalder. No, okay. Blackwalder is a bastard. He is Walder Rivers, too. There's too many. Oh, oh so it could be. <laughs> and they're all named Walder, which, I mean, yeah. it's, it's like It's not. like George Foreman and all the Georges. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, wait, 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 wait. This guy. Wait, we can look this, this up, Walder right? Walder Rivers is Walder Frey's bastard. He's the oldest bastard, okay. I think. Whereas Blackwalder is Ryman Frey's son. Oh, okay. And he's oh. Walder's great great or great grandson. Okay. Okay. Now that we've got that straight. Anyhow, they're there. Lothar is playing like good cop and Walder Rivers is playing bad cop. And they start out I kind of thought this was hysterical with the whole like they're sending Walder uh phrase regards basically mm-hmm. and saying that they meet uh Jane and they <laughs> Oh, gosh. They say that Walter remembers what it was like to be young and to lose one's heart to beauty. And Catelyn immediately has some snarky, um, like, she kind of doubts that that was ever the case. And <laughs> She's like, sure. He laid it on There's thick. Some... <laughs> well, he's been, I forget how many times he's been married until she, like, points out, like, yeah. <laughs> um. But they they have some bad news, and I've taken this out of sequence, but basically they tell Catelyn that, you know, Winterfell was set on fire. She They find out about Sir Roderick's death, and then this is the part that made, gave me chills. All of the survivors are now at the Dreadfort. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I was oh, like, gosh. oh, So, Ramsey. like, that little Beth <laughs> Castle and all those, an old oh, man, that's where they're all hanging out now. Oh, Can't be. Hanging. Oh, God. Probably. Well, and really. I love how Rob's immediately oh. like, wait a minute. You Do you mean Roos's bastard? The murderer? <laughs> Just oh, like, God. they all know how terrible oh. Ramsey is. Oh. So that's not good. And uh, I mean, all of this is just going south on them. And it's just, yeah. Um, Well, and there's the news that they aren't getting. And that if you're paying attention when you're reading, which I didn't realize the first time, but, you know, you've already seen Jamie and Brienne arrive at Hall by this point. So you should be cluing into the fact that Roos is not reporting in that he's got Jamie. Um, That's the news they're not getting. Right. And I mean, it's. I really think Bruce makes his. is like waffling as to what he. playing his cards. He's not sure where he's going to go. And I think it's when he has that dinner with Jamie and Brienne that he makes that moment that he decides what Mm -hmm. he's going to do. Which is happening like now. (laughs) So this is all. It's all inevitable. And it's like there's really. There's no good outcome. And I really, I think it's like, it's like I'm noticing that more and more like their choices, there's really, before it's like if you did that or if you did that, maybe you could advance. But no, it really thinks like, seems like this is it. It's starting to get locked in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they eventually come down to do their little diplomacy stuff and 
Lothar lays it on the line. Walder is agrees to the marriage alliance between his house and Edmure, but he wants an apology from Rob in person. And he wants that marriage to take place like ASAP. And there's um, some disagreement with that. And there's a lot of shade thrown. And I really think Rob deserves it. He does. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, in fact, uh, all right. So bad cop Walder Rivers here says like they, they argue about this a little bit. He goes, and my grandfather has come to mislike lengthy betrothals. The bastard Walder Rivers added. I cannot <laughs> imagine why. <laughs> God, Rob, you just kept it in your pants. He deserved that. Salty. And then um, Edmure is really, and I can't exactly blame him. He's a little bitter about this whole thing. He wants to meet, he wants a choice of brides like Rob got. <laughs> that's not going to happen. And then he'd like to meet his bride first, and there, that's not going to happen either. And uh, I just think, what, what would dis- that accomplish? Like, what would that accomplish? Like, mm-hmm. no, I'm, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. Well, I mean, I think what it's, it's one thing that I, it, and I think actually it's it's Chicky's fault for pointing out these things. Like he's the Lord Paramount or was before they all became traitors. But I mean, like he is the big dog now. And he's kind of like he's got he's the one who has to make the sacrifice because Rob yeah. couldn't keep it in his pants. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Of course, on the other hand, this is something that is required of all people in his position. I mean, he kind of has himself to blame for not being married before now, which it sounds like may have been a little bit of an issue. They don't talk too much about it. I mean, he's in his mid twenties, at least he's not that much younger than cat. I think he's probably 26 (laughs) or 27. Well, it is over the hill for what that's that's fairly old for someone in his position, not to be married. I mean, the only other one we really see is Willis and that's because Willis is, you know, they call him crippled. We don't know something's wrong with one of his legs. Um, there's more, but yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, Willis is married, so uh, yeah, no, it's Willis is not married. Oh no, not Willis. I mean Garland. Um, oh. Yeah, Willis is not married. Um, but what what's interesting here is, you know, you have one of these situations where, and this is why I say I, I think there's there's an element of not wanting to grow all the way up with Edmure, yeah. and if he had before now, then he, he wouldn't be an option to marry off, you know. Um, okay. It's funny how Kat does have the thought that we talked about a while ago <laughs> that. Just, she's she's like, well, I'm lucky that he's that Walder's got a wife, or he'd probably want to marry me. Oh goodness, yeah, <laughs> that was horrible. <laughs> well, I I do kind of love the whole discussion between um, the blackfish, who's like he totally understands why, you know. Yeah. It, you know, and it's never really. I, the fan theory is he's gay. I don't know if that's ever been established in the books but but they're all kind of like commiserating with him a little bit but i don't know yeah Uh, the thought they're not not unkind to him and rob even says i won't order you to do it Mm. yeah so you got me thinking about timelines so does this mean that i sort of assume that because of the way they were creepily polite had they already planned was this already planned out before like the whole trap or do you think it's something that came up later or with walder and the red wedding (laughs) So I should have looked to see the dinner with Bruce has already taken place, correct? Not in the book, uh, not not in order. I think we're pre Jamie five. Okay. But, okay. Um, but that doesn't mean that timeline wise they may not be concurrent because okay. they may be. 
Okay. Um, things aren't necessarily in time order in the books. I was sort of working under the impression that it, would, it was already known, and that's why they were sort of acting so strangely, but I don't know, you know, with having to go there. and. I would imagine this is, you know, I mean, they're kind of in a wait-and-see game themselves. The phrase, they got to go and see if Rob will even agree to come there. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I imagine that Walder it. knows how difficult it might be to get Edmure to agree to this, so I'm, he may be somewhat skeptical, and they may have a contingency plan in place if, you know, this one doesn't... <laughs> kind of go the long way be, they wanted to. We're just going to humiliate think, them and not murder them. <laughs> well, I, I think Walder is probably also in doing kind of what Roos is doing. I mean, it's not like he's got it set in... I mean, I think they're... What's going to be the best possible outcome? Yeah, because mm. a player like that. Yeah, and I mean, he wants... He has been insulted. He wants his revenge, certainly... But, I mean, I think it's like if there were some, I don't know what it would take, but, like, something happened, some kind of miracle, he might switch. I think it's it's uh, locked in place, but it's not, you know, from their perspective, they're playing, um, okay, it's it's very much like, okay, we'll try this, we'll try that, we'll see what's happening. I want to see, I want to, like, read about the alternate Red Wedding, where they, he just does bad, like, horrible, rude things, but not murder. <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> Like, Edmure makes the point that Walder Frey has wanted him for one of his progeny for years. I mean, in another universe, Edmure is already married to one of Walder Frey's kids. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's entirely possible. So he was just kind of avoiding his fate. (laughs) Well, yeah. but Very much so. And uh, I think that's the end of the chapter. Well, we did. We talk about Sansa and Tyrion and that news. Oh no! I totally oh, yeah. skipped over that. Huge. I was a bad, bad yeah. person. That was the other bad news. That was. It's on my notes. I just somehow like ignored it. Nobody wants um, to talk about it because <laughs> I wanted to ignore it. Yeah, we should totally talk about it. So that's the other big piece of bad news that that. Uh, Rob tells Catelyn, which is that Sansa's been married to Tyrion, and then they realize why, what the, you know, what's the advantage of that. Um, And I think this is the precursor to what we'll see in a later chapter with, um, okay, we have to have a contingency plan in case Jane doesn't get pregnant. I think that's the next chapter, in fact. But, I mean... Catelyn is totally horrified because she's got it in her head, even though I think she knows deep down that Tyrion is really not that bad. But, you know, she never has that thought, though. Yeah, it's, she it's did at one point, And then I think it just she buries it. It's like she's because that, like you said, is her flaw. I mean, she gets these. I mean, her father is basically confessing over and over that he forced her sister to abort her baby and she doesn't want to go there. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, because I think it even came up in the chapter that <laughs> Hoster's last word was Tansy. Oh, yeah, because yeah, Edgar yeah, asked what he said. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't wanna... And it is the same thing with Tyrion. I mean, she's decided who Tyrion is. I mean, even though I think she believes that Tyrion would be honorable, like, she never thinks, well, it could be worse for Sansa or anything like that, which is a very typical thing in fandom. She doesn't think that. It's funny, it's almost like she shuts down because she never has the thought, oh, what what must the wedding night have been like? My poor daughter, what did she go through? It's like she can't even go there. She can't even think in those terms. Right. It's pretty awful. 
Yeah. And it's like they're saying they'll never get her back now because if she's somebody's wife, they they pretty much can't Fire demand her off. Yeah, I mean, she'd have to be widowed. Yeah. It's, it's they're awful. perfectly willing to do. It's just the likelihood of that gets further and further away. But yeah, I think this is the seed of the whole what do we do potentially willing uh, legitimizing John and making him Rob Zare, which, you know, mm-hmm. I guess... Uh, We'll talk about next week, but yeah, I think it's I think it's the next chapter after this. I don't I don't call me. I, I haven't read wrong. ahead. I do remember because it was just such a. I remember like her trying to find like you know, well your father had a distant second aunt, third cousin, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll you know I don't even know yeah. if I'm on next time. But anyhow, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, the Tyrion thing, just, I mean, and this is part of the, you know, just kind of like bank of fog that's rolling in on Catelyn, is it's just like, she's just losing everywhere, it's like, now it's this much harder, you know, even if Sansa stays alive, it's this this much harder for them to get her back, and yeah. It's just, uh, you just feel, and she talks about Arya being lost again, you can tell she's basically coming to terms with the fact she just, you know, thinks Arya's dead. And she's, um, she's like down to the one kid who yeah. she keeps going back and forth too with, he's like a man grown. No, he's like a little boy. And it's like, mm. no, he's a giant teenager yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the power of a King. Unfortunately, oh, I really yeah. think one of George's underlying like themes of this whole series is that adolescents should never be in a position of power because <laughs> I can see that. (laughs) Everything. It's all teenage hormones. So did I forget anything else or anything anyone wants to talk about or? I don't think so. I think we got it all now. Do we have any mail? We do. We have some mail. Yeah. Let's see. On Tumblr, we got an Anon. Um, what Game of Thrones spinoffs would you ladies be interested in watching? I'd vote for Duncan Egg myself, or if he survives, maybe the continuing adventures of Bronn and Lawless. <laughs> so uh, the new, isn't it the news is that HBO is going to be developing four Game of Thrones spinoffs, and they're yeah. going to be written by George himself? Oh, yeah, God. they claim they're doing four. Well, two of them George is involved in, and two he's not involved in. But D and D are involved in all four, I think. Oh God, uh, they're gonna suck. I mean, that's why I think that they're gonna pick something. I sort of think they're gonna pick something super dramatic. I mean, are, do you think they're gonna go different? Do you think they're gonna? I, I almost feel like they feel like they have to keep doing the same, like dramatic violence, nudity. I, I, I don't mean, know. these are these are just development deals. <sighs> Basically, they're just commissioning scripts at this point. Yeah. Would be my guess. I doubt you that know, they. I, if if more than even one of them gets an actual pilot made, I'd be surprised. But I, I guess you don't know until you know. I mean, if it were a situation where Benioff and Weiss were to say, yeah, we'll do it, then yeah, we'd probably get made. But if they're just going to, like, you know, background EP credit or something, I doubt it. I mean, it could be a so, great chance for them to, like, branch out, do something very different, get, you know what I mean, different feel to it. But I don't see them doing that. <sighs> I don't uh, think they have that. <sighs> The, this is not like there are some amazing writers and, and showrunners who can do vastly different things. I don't think they're them. I think they have their kind of niche. 
Well, I doubt they're going to be active. I mean, just the way that they talk about it, it sounds like they're basically getting EP credits as just, you know, like part of further development deals with HBO. I doubt they're going to be actively involved. I mean, you know, I doubt they're going to be writing. I doubt they're going to be producing. I doubt they're going to be show running. I imagine it's just, you know, they're producers in the executive producer kind of sense. I would like to see... Like, I would love to see Dunkin' Eggs, but... Or Dunkin' Eggs. <laughs> Dunk and Egg. More than one um, egg. Yeah, more than one egg. Um, But I'm not sure that HBO is the network for That's that. exactly what I was going to say. I can't see HBO pulling it off. I'm not a huge HBO... The few shows that I've seen and the, the episodes... I don't know if I've followed an entire HBO series, but they all have a same... I don't know how to, I don't know how to say that because I know a lot of people disagree with me, but they just have a similar feel to them. And... Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a darkness. It's something about them that I just don't know that HBO could do something like. Well, they have done. Like, they did the ladies' number one detective agency, and I know that was just a season. It it was very well done. I just don't think it's them. I don't know. And what I would really like is some sort of modern AU kind of thing, but that will never happen. So (laughs) I could totally see them doing a prequel with Robert's Rebellion. That's what I would think. I just don't care. I mean, even when they talk about like people have talked about, oh, I wish George would write, you know, Robert's Rebellion. I'm just like, why? We know what happens. Like, what? I just don't want him involved in it. I want him to write Winds of Winter. Is that? Yeah. Oh, that were Yeah. I was. Yeah, that that would. That's but Clotho, you make a really good point because I was like, I wouldn't mind if they did Dunkin' Egg. That'd be fine. But you make a really good point. It is not a very HBO. It's not that they don't do comedy. They do, but it's kind of a heartwarming comedy that they wouldn't normally do. And I don't know. There's stuff always know. has yeah. like an edge to it that I don't know if it fits well, and in. I'm sure that if they're going to try to maximize on Game of Thrones cred with a new show, they're probably going to want something that has the drama levels of, yeah. of Game of Thrones. Yeah. And that's not so, Dunkin' Egg. No, it's probably going to be some Targaryen mess. Which That's what I was thinking too. Guy. They could do what is the whole what's the whole where, where air, the big Maybe fire? Maybe they could give Amelia Clark something to do because God knows she's going to need to work. So <laughs> is it like Summer Hall goes up oh, in flames or Amelia something? Clark. I do like her. She's a nice kid. I think I've I've tried to watch some of the other things she's been in, and I really hope she's well. She you know, God knows you don't need to be have a lot of range to be wildly successful, but. Yeah, sorry. She can, come, she can come and do American TV. She'll be fine. <laughs> Anything uh, else? We got one from Maxine, and it says, Hi, ladies. I meant to send this last week and completely forgot. So this is in response to the episodes before last. I've listened to all the Catlin episodes so far, and I'm about midway through season four episodes, so I know you guys can't stand Talisa. I think I'm one of the few people who actually like the Talissa storyline more than the Jane storyline. It has nothing to do with characters themselves. I get what you guys are saying about Talissa as a character, but the storyline itself just makes more sense to me, which is why I prefer Talissa. With Talissa, she actually fell in love and made a decision because everything was going to shit, and you felt like... He just wanted to be in control of a decision since everything was falling apart around him. Not to say it wasn't stupid. It it was just as stupid as marrying Jane, but at least it was a stupid decision I could understand. I can't understand a person in this position marrying someone on the chance that she was pregnant 
and someone would find out she wasn't a virgin anymore, especially since he had people around him, especially the Blackfish and Great John, who seemed like they just stood by and let it happen. Nothing about it makes sense. At least wait a few months to see if she's actually pregnant. <laughs> Rob's, <laughs> Rob's age is not even enough to explain it, in my opinion. I'm almost tempted to believe the love potion theory. It's really pretty much a step below a plot hole. Seems like something that just had to be put in to move the plot. But maybe that feeling is just because all of it happened off page. Mm. Maybe it'll be explained better in the prologue and wins that supposedly will include Jane. Anyway, (laughs) sorry for the rant. Still enjoying the podcast. Maxine. Hmm. My objections to Talisa or Talisa have always been that she's a modern character written into a medieval setting and that she never made sense to me. Like she's supposed to be this highborn lady from Essos and yet she's totally mind her you know gobsmacked by the idea of arranged marriage which i'm just like no it doesn't it it, it never worked it was like i think they met una chaplin and wanted to cast her i think they didn't want to be bothered with having to do to write the whole plot of him recovering at the crag i think it was just well i think rob was one of their heroes is kind of what it comes down to and they didn't you know, the point the point of what happens with Jane is it, it doesn't make Rob look good. Whereas what happens on the show does make him more sympathetic. And I disagree with that because I don't think it's you know, I I, I think it's not meant to be a really truly like you know, oh, no question that was the right thing to do move. And part of part of what happens in the books, right, is a carryover of Rob reacting to the fact that Ned had, had a bastard. By not wanting to be a father of a bastard himself or to be a despoiler of virgins or, you know, however you want to put it. And so in a way, it's almost like a continuation of Ned's flaws uh, in his flaws in 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 the way that he lived his life, that it continues on and, and it affects Rob and what Rob does. So, I mean, like to take it away, which the show did really remove so much of the complexity. I mean, it just kind of dumbs it down and it did make Rob a central hero. I mean, you know, they they made Rob so much more important in the show as, as a human character than he is in the books. And so that's part of the problem I have with it. I think if she'd been a better conceived character, I think a lot of the problems in the show would stem from, they would do things, but they didn't think them through. They didn't think of, okay, you're aging these characters up. You got to do this, this, and this. I, I mean, they threw people in. They did things because they liked the actor, but they didn't think it through. Mm-hmm. I think they could have. I think they could have done it better. They could have even have kept the whole international aid worker thing if they really <laughs> wanted to. But they could have done that with a little more thought, and I think it would have worked better. Uh, I, I, you know, I mean, like, I agree with you. Everything that you say about her character, I agree. She feels anachronistic, which is ridiculous considering it's a fantasy. But I mean, that is kind of how she feels. But but I think it's because she is different from all the other characters. Yes. She's, and it's like, it's not like they have a whole mess of them out there all doing different things. 
it's like she's the anachronism. Yeah. Yeah. And she's not the hero, so it's not like, you know, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. It's like you have this random sort of tertiary character who's totally out of place with what everyone else is doing. I really love the fan theory that was going on throughout during Talissa during that season because everybody <laughs> thought that she was a Lannister spy and that sounded a hell of a lot better than what really yeah what she really was <laughs> I <heard that>. yeah. <laughs> didn't it I mean it almost would have made far more sense oh yeah and been much more interesting because then you know there would have been the tragedy of her really let's say her really falling in love with Rob and then you know yeah that would have been awesome so much yeah yeah, I mean, you know, it was kind of, that's the thing about it. It's, it's that storyline was a failure for a lot of reasons for me on the show. Like Calm, I don't necessarily like the character of Talisa, but that's kind of neither here nor there with the fact that I didn't like it as an adaptation choice because I felt like it kind of took away some of Rob's, you know, central character traits that kind of, you know, moved the story forward. And it also messed with Ned's characterization. But then there's, you know, just also the fact that, you know, just, I don't know, it wasn't very moving to me as a story. I, I don't know. I never got it. I know that they had shippers and stuff, but uh, did you guys ship it? No. God, no. I like, spent too much yeah. time on it. It was kind of boring to me. I just kept wondering, yeah. like, I wondered, like, they got married in a ceremony. It's, this is, I'm not the one who, but it's like neither of them worships the seven, and yet they got married in a ceremony of yeah. the seven. <laughs> I mean, these are the things, and I was just sort of like, I just remember her, like, her vehement hatred or, or surprise at arranged marriage, and I'm like, no, you would be really conversant with why people do that, and you might not agree with it, but it wouldn't be a foreign concept. It's just, right. Yeah. You know, it's, I expected more. <laughs> I mean, we I don't then, particularly uh, care about Jane either. And I mean, other than feeling sorry for her, you know, when like, you know, they make her give up the crown and all that. But yeah, I, I don't didn't, really care because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Rob really isn't as important. See, See anything we, else? We got an iTunes review. Yay. Oh. Yay. Okay. Um, it's titled Love It by Jamie's Protector. And we got five stars. Yay! Yay. Um, I found this podcast thanks to Gatto's videos on YouTube and started listening after I finished the books. I had never (laughs) even really listened to a podcast before, but Jamie and Brienne are my favorite characters, and I'm glad I found a group of people who love them as much as I do. This podcast has opened my eyes to a lot of theories and ideas about the series that I never would have thought of otherwise, and it makes me want to go back and reread the series again. I also like that even though the focus is on Jamie and Brienne, you do discuss the other characters as well. But the thing I love the most is that listening to this podcast is just like listening to a group of friends just having a discussion with inside jokes and everything and listening to it almost makes you feel like you're a part of the group. It's very comforting since I don't know very many people who watch the show. And the ones who do haven't read the book. So it's great listening to people who know everything about the series. <laughs> Keep up the fantastic work. And I can't wait for the day you get to do a Winds of Winter review. Oh. In chapter by <laughs> chapter discussion. We can't. <laughs> 
We can't <laughs> wait either. Right? Oh, that's a lovely Something. reveal. That was. That was really nice. Good. Yeah, that was really sweet. I love that they found us through Gato's video. I know. I just keep thinking about some of the club flashbacks of like this. They're awesome. Oh, that is so cool. Now I want to go watch them again. So yeah, everybody go watch that Gato's video. Yeah. But um, that's our our comments. Oh, Maybe. thank you. Yeah. Well, um, please. Um, okay, so. <laughs> Uh, support our podcast and become a Patreon. You'll get benefits like special episodes and exclusive early access to new episodes. Um, if you want to leave us a review, we'd love that. Um, you can do that on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and all the places. Um, please feel free to met- message us on Tumblr, Twitter, or Facebook, or email us. Uh, you can do that at and at gmail.com. And thank you to our panel, and thank you for listening. I'm closing the door. Get out.